0: welcome to biohackers lab a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways join us to discover how you can biohack your life your body starting today
1: hello everyone and welcome to biohackers lab i'm your host gary kirwan and on today's episode i have Simland. sim is an author content creator holistic health practitioner and high performance coach He has a degree in anthropology, but his passion is biohacking and self-improvement. He shares his thoughts and tips on how to achieve what he likes to call body-mind empowerment through his podcast and popular YouTube channel. Sim, thanks so much for coming on for an episode
0: for today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, and uh, I'm uh, excited to talk about some cool topics.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, with my introduction there, I mentioned how you're into mind-body empowerment, so... The topics that you can talk about are very vast, you know, from nutrition, physiology, uh, mindsets, motivation, so many things. But the focus um, that I'm going to be talking about uh, and I want to explore with you today is the ketogenic diet and fasting, which I know you produce a lot of content around. So my first question for you then is um, why do you think the ketogenic diet is ideal or maybe the best way for self-improvement?
0: Well, I would say that it's not—it's not necessarily always the best thing for all situations, so to say. Like, uh, although the keto diet, in my opinion, can be useful, let's say for you know losing body fat as well as you know, improving cognitive performance, it may not be always ideal, and it may not you know work for some people either, whether that be because of some genetic predispositions, some medical conditions, or even like uh, certain metabolic requirements. Like, I wouldn't—I wouldn't put. Like a high level athlete on a keto diet, just because they do need to take into other, they, didn't, they need like some other fuel sources as well, like more glucose and glycogen. But in my own personal experience, the reason why I'm doing like a keto diet is because of the uh, stable energy levels and more mental clarity that I experience during the day. So uh, whenever I am in deeper ketosis, then my cognition is definitely sharper and I will always have. More focus, and that's going to in turn help me to produce more uh, creative work and everything else that I do as well. Like, you know, produce the podcast, create YouTube videos, you know, write several books, and uh, like keep myself, you know, kind of free from the dependency of food, so to say, like keto, and becoming more fat adapted helps you to not be so dependent of uh, constant feeding and not having to suffer from these ups and downs of blood sugar rushes and you you kind of teach your body to run on your own body fat for fuel which in turn can help you to become more self-actualized that's that, that's that's the way i look at it so to say keto helps keto helps me to overcome this the, the necessity for you know eating all the time and that's going to help me to do other stuff that uh, improve my life much further Mm-hmm. and i mean i think
1: that's what a lot of people would like is not to be dictated by their food you know to ha- get hangry um yeah life is always just what when's my next meal what do i eat i need yeah. energy levels
0: <laughs> yeah because it, because it's so crazy to think that people think that you know skipping breakfast or skipping uh, an entire day of eating is something dangerous or there's something uh, you know deviant that's actually the norm under which humans evolved under so to say people didn't have like three squares of meals a day. And they occasionally very, 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 like very frequently they would go through days, days and days without eating all the time. So it's actually the norm to be you know, fat adapted and the norm to be intermittently fasting all the time.
1: Cause that actually ties into the second question I wanted to ask you was breaking up the keto and the fasting was why do you think fasting is so beneficial for self-improvement? And I think you've sort of alluded to that, that there's a historical, Relevancy that humans are meant to go through fasted states.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is like uh, fasted. Fast, fasted physiology also has many other benefits, like it's going to you know reduce inflammation, uh, lower blood sugar, lowers insulin, and uh, everything else. Every a lot of the other benefits uh, help to not only burn more fat but also have like longevity boosting benefits and general health benefits. So uh, I would say that you know fasting. The the, the the pure fact that fasting makes you healthier will help you to you know not improve your physical performance, but also your mental performance, and uh, potentially help you to live longer as well, or at least increase the health span, so to say, the, uh, the amount of, uh, the, the amount of uh, youthful years, so to say. And so with, uh, I'm gonna get
1: back into fasting a little bit more now, but when it comes to the ketogenic way of eating, there's so many different ways of doing, doing that way. Um, do you have a particular preference or that you've had to experiment with different ways? Um, do you have any thoughts that if we looked at a situation of just someone who wants to stay healthy through their years, into their old age, and has a, a sharp mind, you know, strong enough body, do you think there's a certain way of doing keto that's the best way?
0: Uh, I think that there isn't like necess- necessarily the best way for keto and uh, they would, they, the perfect way of eating a keto diet would change between people, and depending on their like uh, body composition, depending on their meta- meta- metabolic conditions, and medical conditions and such. But in general, like I, I myself have been trying out different types of keto, uh, in addition to like the standard keto diet, I've been doing like cyclical keto diets and uh, targeted keto diets, as well as like some sort of. Uh, Modified keto diets, where the protein intake will be slightly higher and the fat is reduced, just to promote more muscle growth and promote a better body composition. Because the standard keto diet, with uh, the epileptic macronutrient ratios, where the where the carbs are very low and protein is also very minimized, those those uh, those kinds of diets they may not be ideal for most people, just because they decrease protein intake, and most people will actually benefit from slightly modifying their keto macros by lowering their fat a little bit and increasing their protein just, just to compensate for some of the deficiencies.
1: Mm-hmm. So I love that, you know, it's always the N equals one. Everyone's different, depends on your situation, your physiology, your metabolic history. Um, yeah. And there's lots of ways to, to get around this. So there's no one right way. And then when it comes to fasting, do you, what are your views there? Uh, do you? Because there's lots of different ways to fast. What would be your beginner's fast, or the way that you would introduce someone to fasting?
0: Mm, yeah, well, it is true. Like, let's say, like physiologically, it could be possible for everyone to fast, and there wouldn't be no negative side effects, so to say. If you were to put into the wild, then the only way for you to survive is to simply start fasting, and uh, you would adapt quite fast. Uh, fast to that, but in, in like the most of the kind of, you know. Things that inhibit the person to get used to the fasting have to do, like the psychological habits and their daily routines that simply enforce certain ways of eating. And they don't necessarily crave the food. They People cr- tend to crave more towards like the routines and eating foods at, uh, at a particular time of the day. So, I would maybe for someone who is interested in trying to start fasting, then I would simply advise them to try to skip a certain meal during the day whether that be in the morning or in the evening like uh, having like an earlier dinner or like a late late uh, brunch type of uh, breakfast that would be simply a good place to start and to to then kind of gradually increase the time they spend in a fasted state and postpone their meals in, in some way and time time restricted. So that they would get used to more, uh, more of like a running on their own body fat, and to not necessarily be so dependent of uh, these different types of meal timings.
1: So it sounds like that's the beginner's ways—just that time-restricted feeding—that you have a smaller yeah. eating window in a day before you get into these long-day fasts multiple-day fasts.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Like uh, it's it's not it's not going to be. First of all, it's simply going to be like so much more difficult for someone to jump right into a five-day fast if they haven't done anything like that. So yeah, usually I would suggest, you know, starting to experiment with the daily timers to the feeding, whether that be like the sixteen hours of fasting and eight hours of eating, and then gradually moving on into more, more confined uh, eating windows like the warrior diet or one meal a day where you eat your food maybe only within like two to four hours or something like that. And then after that, you may like start experimenting with uh, like 48 hour fasts, three day fasts, uh, five day fasts. But, you know, those those extended fasts, they they are like that sustainable. You can't do them all the time. And uh, they, they do hit like a point of diminishing returns after a while. So still, the, the, the daily time restricted feeding is still going to be like the biggest bang for a buck, so to say. You're going to gain most of the results and they're more uh, sustainable.
1: And that's, I guess, when looking at something that's sustainable and longevity, that the the time restricted feeding you can do if you're in your 20s or if you're in your 80s and it's that's like the baseline and then every now and then it sounds like you're going to tap into the multi multi day fast if needed
0: yeah like i myself uh, try to aim for these longer fasts maybe uh once a quarter every year so to say so in total i may have like uh three about 3 to 4 of these 3 to 5 day fasts every year and i do them not only that i need to but I, only, I do them just to kind of put my body into this deeper state of, uh, of autophagy, namely, and to really kind of give my body a short break from all the food that I eat and then uh, to reset the system. And there is a lot of, like, a lot of longevity boosting benefits for that. So uh, the reason I do it maybe once a quarter is that, you know, if you do it too often, if you, if you, if you fast too long all the time, then you may be simply predisposing yourself to some uh, like a muscle loss and uh, some other ailments, so to say. So, fasting all the time isn't that going to be optimal, so to say? You, that, That's why you want to balance it out with uh, proper refeeding and uh, proper, you know, getting enough nutrients from, from the food that you do eat.
1: Mm-hmm. And before we get into the how to to do multi day fast, I'd like to just find out to, with the time restricted feeding window, do you have a preference that people would tend should eat more? breakfast and lunch and skip dinner or eat in the middle of the day or eat a lunch and a dinner i'd be interested to find out if you feel there's a, a better window to eat in
0: well yeah like a lot of other researchers like uh, sachin banda he has done uh, like this uh, research on time restricted feeding and uh, he has found that it's it's most optimal to kind of postpone the breakfast at least a few hours and then consume the most of your food within eight within an eight-hour time window, and maybe have like an earlier dinner to not go to bed, you know, full with a full stomach, so to say. That's I would I would suggest I would suggest that it is a good idea to maybe at least stop the eating window about two hours or two to four hours uh, before going to bed. That would be like the optimal time window. And that's gonna help you to sleep better, and that's gonna prevent any of the other side effects of going to bed with a full stomach. But in the morning, I would say it is still a good idea to postpone the breakfast at least a few hours in the morning. Because, uh, let, let's say, if you've been sleeping all night, uh, then you are already in this very mild fast state. You've been fasting for about you know eight hours, and if you immediately start eating in the morning, then you're going to you're going to have like a shorter fasting window. Versus if you were to postpone your breakfast, at least until the noon, then you're going to prolong all the benefits as you will get from the fastest state. And you don't necessarily, you know, usually people don't really feel that hungry in the morning either. And they much rather skip breakfast than skip dinner, so to say. And the for, for for dinner, it's always easier to always stick to the other social aspects of eating as well, like having family dinners or going out to some sort of a dinner party, whatever it is. So. I would say that skipping breakfast is always a better solution rather than skipping dinner uh, for most people, and I, I myself find it uh, more uh, sustainable as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I do hear from from a lot of people from time to time saying, "Yeah, I'm just not hungry in, first thing in the morning, and I have to wait till yeah. later in the day." So there's, I think there's a lot of people it's, who, it's, who prefer
0: that too. Yeah, it's like uh, when you're in the when you wake up in the morning, then uh, you will also have like higher levels of cortisol which will help you to, like a lot of people think that cortisol is bad. Of course, like chronic, chronically elevated cortisol is bad, but in the morning, that cortisol helps you to wake up and that cortisol will also help you to mobilize a lot of the, your body fat stores and to break down glycogen from the previous day. And uh, you, you, it will always kind of set the right fat burning state for the rest of the day. So to say you get into deeper ketosis and you stimulate all the other fat burning uh, metabolic pathways. So if you were to be eating immediately after waking up, then you're simply blocking that, so to say, you're stopping that from happening to a certain extent, and you're gonna miss out, uh, miss out on all like, the potential benefits. So it's simply like a wiser idea to like postpone uh, when it's like the easiest, easiest uh, place where you can uh, push off the um, first meal, and you're gonna extend the fasting window. And a
1: common question that probably
0: crops up at this stage
1: is, well, if I'm going to skip the food, can I still have a tea or a coffee in the morning?
0: Or Does that break uh, f- break the fast? I I think it's perfect to So to say, like um, the the amount of calories in coffee or tea is like so minute, just like two calories per cup or something like that, and it's not going to interfere with the uh, the processes of ketosis or the processes of autophagy. Coffee and tea can actually stimulate autophagy uh, to a certain extent, and uh, they do like stimulate some like liver processes and digestive processes, which will kind of mimic some uh, digestion but in my opinion it's not like a big deal (laughs) it's it's not going to matter in the long term you're still going to gain like the most of the benefits of the fast which are related to like the autophagy as well as the ketosis
1: and with a talk bringing in the ketogenic diet a lot of people would have a very fatty coffee maybe in the morning there would uh, an exceptionally fatty coffee like two or three cups of uh, a butter coffee or very heavy cream coffee does that break a fast
0: Well, the rationale is that because it's like pure fat, then it's not gonna raise insulin, and therefore it's gonna keep you in a faster state. Although it will probably keep you in ketosis, I would say that it's still gonna inhibit some some of the autophagic processes because autophagy is more regulated by nutrient signaling, and that nutrient signaling can happen from like all the uh, nutrients and all the macronutrients like insulin, uh, glucose, amino acids, protein. And fatty acids as well fatty acids can still send the body the signal that there's nutrients around so it may you may you may be still getting like the fat burning benefits and the ketogenic benefits but you probably will miss out on some of the autophagy related benefits which which itself is like fine if if your goal isn't to necessarily stimulate autophagy at that day then it's not going to matter so to say you're not going to like uh, miss, you're not going to gain a, a huge autophagy boost as well if you're fasting only for like 16 hours. So uh, if, the, if the coffee is helping you to fast for longer, then I would say it's going to be worth it. And if it's going to help you to like, maintain a caloric deficit, then it can be also very useful. But at the same time, it's, it's it has to be kind of go back to the person of what their goal is with the fast and what they're hoping to get out of it and you know how many calories do they end up consuming at the end of the day.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and uh, I'm asking you all these questions Tim, because you're the first person I've I've got to explore fasting, so uh, excuse me if I go into a couple of the details yeah. there. Um talking about autophagy then. So just an, a normal 16:8 um sort of e- eating window cycle, that do you not get the benefits or do you get some aut- autophagy benefits or do you have to go into multi-day fast to truly get autophagy benefits?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's it it's, it has to depend upon like uh, what's the overall um, metabolic status of the person, so to say. If uh, let's say autophagy is mostly regulated by uh, nutrients, certain nutrients such as amino acids and glucose are the main ones that regulate autophagy. So uh, as long as soon as your body becomes deprived of those things, then autophagy will kind of like start increasing in a dose-specific manner. It's not like an on and off switch. And uh, let's say if you're a healthy person, if you're not consuming excess amounts of carbohydrates, if you don't have excess inflammation, and you're not like consuming excessive amounts of protein either, then your body will go into this uh, depleted state faster, so to say. It doesn't have like a bigger buffer zone to burn through. If your glycogen stores are all full, then it's going to simply take a longer time for you to experience these benefits. And uh, let's say if you, you can also, so on a keto diet, let's say on a low carb keto diet, then you, you can expect to gain some autophagic benefits already within the 16 hour hour mark, or like fasting for let me, like 20 hours, then you will already be in somewhat uh, deep autophagy just because you don't have like excess glycogen and you don't have that, that many amino acids floating around the system. Mm.
1: And you know, I'm sure a question crops up with, in some people's mind at this stage going, Okay, so we're saying there's all these benefits with autophagy. Is there any way that I can test that I'm actually doing this autophagy thing, or, or that it's it's having an effect on my body? Would you say there is any way that someone could test it?
0: Uh, well, currently we don't have like any way of measuring autophagy in humans. All the all the tests and all the studies are done in other other uh, species like mice and fruit flies and such, and uh, they measure the amount of autophagic flux or the amount of Autophagy-related genes, you know, floating around the or, or around the organism, but uh, I would say that although you can't measure it directly, you can still predict it. So to say that you can make some presumptions based upon the research that we currently have, such as you know, if you know that uh, lower glycogen and lower amino acids promote autophagy, then and you know that fasting depletes them, then you can you can already predict that. Okay, you know, around the twenty-four hour mark, I will be in quite deep autophagy already. Uh, But there are some some things that may give you some direct feedback that potentially can hint towards whether or not you are in this uh, autophagy state and you can measure it with your insulin to glucagon ratio. If if your glucagon tends to be higher than your insulin, then you're more, you know, more glucagon promotes the uh, breakdown of glycogen and glucagon promotes uh, ketogenesis as well. So glucagon will also promote all the catabolic uh, processes in the body. And autophagy itself is a catabolic process that breaks down old cells. So uh, if your insulin is high, then those things will be negated. And uh, in the other example of glucagon being higher, then uh, you can predict that, you know, there's more autophagy and more ketogenesis. You can't, I don't know, like, I'm not sure if you ca- could potentially measure insulin or glucagon at home, but you can measure it at your doctor. But what you can measure at your home would be like the glucose ketone index as well. If your glucose is lower and your ketones are higher and you're already fasting, then you can make some, you know, guesstimates of uh, whether or not you are in this autophagic state. Mm-hmm. But it's not like direct and it's definitely not perfect. You, We will definitely want to have like something that is going to give you like direct feedback of, of autophagy, but you know, at the moment, we don't have anything that is feasible in humans. Mm-hmm.
1: And for anyone, I, I don't think we define the word autophagy for some listeners that might not know, but it's like, it's just like cleaning up dead or bad cells or old cells in the
0: body. It's like, yeah,
1: it's spring cleaning the body in a way in yeah. multiple places.
0: It's, it's, it literally translates into like self-eating and eating of self and your healthy cells kind of start to remove all the weaker and the dysfunctional components of the cells and and convert them back into energy
1: mm-hmm. and this is all ties into your mind body empowerment because this gives you ability to get the best out of your body the best out of your mind
0: yeah yeah in a sense that you know autophagy is really critical factors for longevity and uh, it helps to uh, remove you know uh, dysfunctional mitochondria that uh, cause inflammation, and one of the reasons why people tend to age or they die in the first place is because of uh, mitochondria becoming weaker and mitochondria losing their function. So autophagy keeps the mitochondria youthful and uh, prevents them from uh, becoming dysfunctional. And also, like for cognitive performance, autophagy is also quite important for clearing out the beta amyloid plaques that happens in Alzheimer's. So it can prevent like cognitive decline and uh, other sort of issues so uh, in in some other in some other uh, species for instance in mice uh, autophagy is also like directly linked to the increased lifespan from caloric restriction caloric restriction if the mice are blocked from autophagy like they're genetically modified then they're not going to live longer even when they're put under huge caloric restriction versus the other mice that do have autophagy activated they, those mice will still live longer so autophagy is still like a Really uh, important part of the longevity benefits that you get from uh, caloric restriction.
1: Mm-hmm. And I want to get into now multi-day fast because I, I think I ha- have seen somewhere that you share a nice recipe, like a how-to step to get started into a three-day fast. Um, could you maybe just share some of your thoughts then? If someone's now ready, they've they've done the time-restricted feeding, they feel comfortable, it's like they've broken that routine and that mindset that they're dictated by food, and they're like. Well, Sim said, yeah, I, I should try this three-day fast, um, you know, this quarter, just to see what it's like. What would be your tips for the, someone who's trying to do a three-day fast for the first time? How do they start it? Or should yeah, it should like, it be a
0: three-day fast or a one-day fast? Mm, uh, well, I would say that if the person hasn't tried like a 24 hour fast or like eating once a day only, then they should try that first just to know like, how does it feel to go like for a longer period of time without food, which in reality, like isn't that like a long time really. (laughs) But yeah, I would say that like a real fast would be like a three day fast or a two day fast. Like a person can't start with like a 48 hour fast before they try a three day fast, because usually the most difficult part of any kind of longer, longer fast is around the 24 hour mark where you're like used to having some food, but you're not getting it. And then you're creating this huge sort of a uh, psychological, you know, uh, response and psychological freak out that you think that something is gonna go wrong. But in reality, if you kind of skip that, if you go past it, then everything is gonna be fine. But the only problem is that, you know, you may get hungry and uh, that's gonna really make it difficult for you to fall asleep. Once you fall asleep and you wake up in the next day, then you're going to be in like very deep ketosis and a deeper autophagy as well, which will kind of prevent hunger and uh, stop all the cravings as well. The, the most difficult part is to yeah, get to bed and fall asleep. So what I tend to do is um, having like definitely uh, using some sort of a herbal teas or decaf coffee in the evening that can be also good to uh, help you to, you know, stave off hunger uh, while still being able to fall asleep. And additional things that can also help with hunger is uh, like apple cider vinegar uh, with some uh, hot water. That's going to be good to you know shut down the hunger signals. And uh, it's not necessarily going to stop the fast state either because uh, see, apple cider vinegar can promote ketones as well as like uh, stimulate autophagy a little bit. As if, and, the, and the amounts of apple cider vinegar you would take is also like one to two teaspoons. So it's not going to be like significant.
1: Mm-hmm. And so the and and you, and the you best, find, the, sorry.
0: The best the best thing uh the best thing everyone can do before starting of any of these longer fasts is to uh start eating low carb at least a few days before that because uh it will help them to become more fat adapted it will condition the body to use some fatty acids for fuel and it will also deplete the glycogen faster so uh, you're going to get into the therapeutic range of ketosis as well as the autophagy faster if you're eating a like a low, lower carb keto diet. So before before starting a three day fast, I would at least eat low carb, you know, two days before that, just to deplete the glycogen and become keto adapted more. And during the fast, you simply drink, you know, like uh, some water with added salts, maybe some el- electrolytes, just to balance your electrolytes and to prevent any fatigue. And you know other things that you could drink are maybe like coffee and some herbal teas.
1: Okay, yeah. So that's a great tip there to say um, if you're going to do a multi-day fast, go low carb so you start getting yeah. into that state, versus trying to jump in from a high carbohydrate state and go, yeah, it's fine. I'll just jump straight yeah. into three day carb, uh, three day fast. Um, yeah,
0: because 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 like when you are doing these longer fasts, then you have to get into ketosis, or you wanna get into ketosis as soon as possible because. Uh, if you're fasting and you're not in ketosis, like coming from a high-carb diet or after a cheat day even, then in that case, you're more predisposed to losing some of your muscle tissue through gluconeogenesis, so to say. And uh, you're, you're like gluconeogenesis uh, is driven by demand. And when you're fasting without the presence of ketones, then the demand of glucose is still there and your body will take that glucose from your protein from your from your muscle tissue versus if you have ketones present you've become keto adapted before that then there's not going to be a demand for gluconeogenesis and because your body can run safely on ketones so definitely the critical part for preventing any muscle catabolism during a fast is to get into ketosis
1: Mm-hmm. so again great tip uh, i'm just thinking there yeah. So, so some people may be following a way of eating where they have cheat days like carb, yeah. carb back night solution or something like that another way of eating and so they're like oh i've just binged on a whole bunch of food maybe i should do a three day fast to cleanse now and it's like no that's maybe yeah. not the, the best time to try a fast now
0: yeah yeah it's not it's not gonna be it's not you could do it and you would probably be fine uh, but i would say you would be, you know, it would it would be easier for you to fast if you simply had like a keto diet, or at least that one day of keto before that.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I I love that tip where you said especially that first day. Then by the end of the day, and you it's you might be thinking, oh, I've been hungry all day because I'm <laughs> I haven't had a meal all day, and it's that first maybe the first or second night where you think, oh, I'm struggling to sleep because my tummy's rumbling or something, and then you'd have the herbal tea or decaf coffee or apple cider vin- vinegar drink just to settle your stomach to let you sleep that night
0: yeah yeah it is like uh, the the most difficult part is you're going to bed and you you necessarily don't want to uh you don't want to cash in on all, all these uh, appetite suppressants either like you don't want to become too addicted to coffee and drink like five to ten cups of coffee during the fast because it's gonna not be worth it because of overstimulating cortisol and uh, getting too caffeinated mm. so you want to use them only when you actually get hungry so to say
1: Mm-hmm. and then what are your views on people who work out is it okay to work out during that fasting period or should you be I guess it, it depends on what they're trying to achieve in their metabolic health again but um, yeah if you're healthy would it be okay to work out um, I'm thinking if you're unhealthy then you're going to be using it as a recovery period so don't stress your body
0: mm. uh, I, I would say that it's still a good idea to keep, stay active and keep moving your body uh, whether that be going for like longer walks or doing some yoga or something like that, that's you know that's gonna kind of, be very good. and it would it would actually help to you know keep your mind busy as well as well as uh, prevent the hunger. So whenever I usually get hungry, maybe I will usually maybe go for a longer walk instead, and uh, that's gonna help to mobilize some of the fat stores and uh, basically keep me satiated for longer. But other types of uh, more resistance training type of workouts, uh those can also be useful and that they will probably help with uh, maintaining more muscle mass because if you're fasting and you're not doing anything then you potentially will lose more muscle mass much 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 more faster than if you were to do some sort of light activity and uh, or it 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 doesn't have to do it doesn't have to be like a very heavy resistance training or high intensity interval training or something like that you can simply do like some uh, calisthenics some pushups some squats you can use like some of the resistance bands, and you can still kind of stimulate the muscles, and that would be useful for sending the body the signal that we still need to have muscle, and we we don't necessarily want to lose it.
1: Mm-hmm. So not a big heavy workout where you push yourself to fatigue levels. Yeah. That's not the time to do yeah. that.
0: It's, it's it's not it's simply not going to be worth it. So to say. you probably won't have enough energy to hit PRs and personal records. So <laughs> why, not, why bother? So to say, you can simply take it as a time to deload. And uh, aim for maybe like sub-maximal type of exercise with uh, resistance training, with your own body and uh, some resistance bands.
1: And so, with the time length, and you saying that you've experimented with, it sounds like three to five days. Um, do you think that just that three day is is the optimal window that someone could try get to eventually? Because uh, there seems to be a, a nice balance then for the autophagy, but not creating any negative effects from fasting. Like three days is 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 a good number.
0: Uh, yeah, the longest up I fasted for it has to do with uh, like week. I fast for a week, and uh, usually, whenever I having these therapeutic fasts, then I would aim for yeah three to five days at maximum. And I do think that, and uh, there will be probably a point of diminishing returns after that point. After three days, is usually the optimal dose, and uh, there's not going to be like a significant reason to go beyond that unless you have like some sort of a real medical conditions. If you have like maybe Uh, again, like diabetes or cancer or some tumors or something, then you may want to consider going for longer. But like a healthy person who is simply doing like housekeeping or they want to go into deeper ketosis uh, or lose some fat, then for them, it's not necessary to fast any longer than three to five days, in my opinion. Mm.
1: And then once someone's gone through the the fasting period, it's always how do I break the fast? What's your tips on the best way to break it?
0: Mm. What I like to do is always start, uh, whenever I am eating anything, then I would usually start off with some uh, apple cider vinegar and some hot lemon water and maybe a slight, slice a few slices of some raw ginger in there as well to promote the digestive enzymes as well as direct more blood flow into the gut. And that's going to be good to uh, stimulate, it's going to be better for like uh, absorbing the foods and preventing any sort of uh, constipation or such. And it's, it's usually, that's what, that would be something that I would start off from like any type of uh, fasting window, whether that be like a 16-8 or OMAD or like a 3-day fast. And then moving on from there, I would have to look at how long have I been fasting for. If I come from like a shorter fast that is less than 24 hours, then I would consume maybe something with uh, some probiotics and some digestive enzymes like sauerkraut, fermented foods, or maybe some avocados, or again some raw ginger, uh, or if I'm consuming carbs or something, then I may take like some bananas or kiwi or some fruit, something like that. If I'm coming from like a longer fast, then I may also want to add in some uh, like broth, broth liquids or soups, something to simply more to stimulate more of the uh, digestive enzymes as well as again make the gut wake up, so to say, because I you don't necessarily want to. Consuming very hard to digest foods immediately coming off from a longer fast because your gut isn't probably ready for it, and it would be better to kind of ease into it. Mm-hmm.
1: So again, great tip. I love that all the actionable stuff that you're sharing here. So coming off that fast, something again that people were drinking like apple cider vinegar drink or a lemon drink or lem- lemon tea, that just helps to stimulate the blood flow to the gut yeah. to say, hey, get ready. I'm about to maybe try eat here, so it's not going to be a big shock to your body
0: yeah yeah and uh specifically like uh, ginger and uh and lemon water and apple cider vinegar they also help with the breakdown of proteins so to say so you you, you would always always want to absorb the proteins that you eat and uh, just to you know repair your body as well as recover from the fast better so that's going to be helping with that
1: so i'm interested so we've sort of given the practical ways of doing this and you so mentally and physically, like, what are some of the experiences that you've had during these fasted states?
0: Mm, uh, funny enough, like when I, when I was doing um, my anthropological uh, research for my thesis uh, uh, a few years ago at a meditation uh, retreat, then I was also fasting during that time period. So it was a, or, or already like a more profound experience where I was meditating a lot and I was uh, fasting at the same time. So <laughs> I would say that During a fast state, I tend to, or during these longer fast states, I tend to experience uh, not only like this heightened mental clarity and focus, but also this sort of a blissful feeling of uh, not being attached to anything. So to say, I don't feel, I don't feel uh, the desire to have food, even. I don't feel the desire to have any kind of material possessions or whatever. I'm simply laying there, or like I'm simply feeling my body in some way and experiencing what goes on. So I can, I can feel maybe like there, is, there may be like some sort of increased heart rate or like accelerated blood flow in some regions and it makes you feel very blissful and relaxed. You don't really care about anything else that goes on. You're simply like experiencing everything that goes on. And it's very, I would, ex, I would describe it as like sort of a blissful a state where you're free from attachments as well as being very at, at ease and very present.
1: Yeah, so it's a way of supercharging mindfulness and making you feel great.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, like you can also experience some aspects of it when you are in like very deep ketosis, and uh, there will be like as one point doing a longer fast, maybe around you know forty-eight hour mark or something like that, you will experience this sort of a shift where you kind of uh, you know everything lights up and you are very alert all the time, all the time, and that's that's sort of a part of a blend of these uh, raising ketones as well as the raising cortisol and adrenal and everything that goes on. So it is kind of a funny funny feeling. <laughs>
1: um, so I think we've explored the three-day fast and, the, and how to get fasted. Just going on to the extreme end of things, what do you think of some fasting techniques like dry fasting? I've had some people comment um, on some of the interviews I've done saying, hey, I've done dry fasting or have you ever explored the concept of dry fasting? With you having experienced fasting and researched it so much, do you have a viewpoint on is dry fasting good or
0: bad? Mm, I would say that it may at first sound even more crazier than uh, like these longer fasts, but it does also make make some metabolic sense as well because if you're not not, uh, drinking water, then your body will still produce the water it needs from uh, the process of beta-oxidation and uh, the burning of fat the byproduct of that creates hydrogen. So, uh, this is still going to keep your body hydrated. And that's how camels and other animals also survive longer periods of dehydration. They're not carrying around water with them, but they're simply converting their own body fat into uh, water and keeping themselves nourished that way. There isn't like many research done on it, practically no research at all, but uh, there are some a- anecdotal results from a lot of people as well as different let's say, um, traditional type of uh, homeopathic medicine practitioners from Russia and other places where they do incorporate it into their practice. And specifically, there's this Russian doctor, I don't, I don't recall his exact name, but he's Dr. Filonov or someone who has said to be curing a lot of his patients by putting them on these longer dry fasts and curing cancer and other similar diseases. There is still, uh, there is although there is some truth that uh, dehydration will inhibit mTOR a lot, and uh, it will also stimulate AMPK and autophagy. So you can predict, you can also get, make some guesstimates that it will have like a similar benefit as you would get from a longer, longer extended water fast. But the the the, the uh, kind of the the degree of intensity is much higher than on a water fast uh, because you know you're not drinking water. You'll probably not be able to be as physically active. And you probably won't be able to fast as longer as long as as long as that. You probably have to cut it off after maybe like three days maximum or such, and then follow it up with a proper uh, proper uh, rehydration period.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to ask someone. Just like this, dry fasting sounds fascinating. I need to explore this topic more. Why would someone it's like, want to do that? You,
0: you can you can still do like daily time restricted dry fasting, so to say. Like I I've I've been experimenting that with, and I've seen I've seen some good results on it from like improved digestion as well as more uh, more fat burning during the day as and simply feeling quite mentally clear because you don't really feel very tired when you are doing dry fasting you feel uh, I would say that if you were to be drinking a lot of water then that would be worse than to dry fast because if you're drinking too much water all the time then you may potentially excrete a lot of the electrolytes and minerals versus if you were to dry fast, then you're gonna retain all of those minerals, and that's going to help you to feel better during the fast so a shorter shorter sixteen uh, hour dry fast is quite easy, and uh, it's going be it can be done even more frequently than like a longer three day fast that's a fascinating
1: concept, so yeah um time restricted dry fasting and yeah, just yeah. saying, okay, it's, maybe only in one or two hours in a day I'm gonna ha- consume liquids or that's when I eat my meal too like Omad. But all those other times, I'm I'm gonna try avoid liquids.
0: Mm, yeah, you don't have. To, you, it doesn't have to be like that long. You can again, like maybe, cut off all liquids after dinner and help you to, you know, you know, empty your bladder before going to bed by doing that. And then in the morning, maybe wait a few hours, and that's gonna create already like at least like a twelve hour to fourteen hour dry fasting window, which is gonna be pretty good.
1: Mm. Again, Sim, this is why I wanted to get you on. I thought you were going to be fascinating and you definitely are. So <laughs> I love I love all of these, uh, these concepts. Uh, we're coming up for the hour mark here. So I, um, yeah, this is usually a time when I get to ask, uh, are there any particular social places that you want people to follow you or if someone wants to contact you? Um, I don't know if you've got, I think you've got some books maybe or some publications around fasting and keto. Um, how would people get hold of that?
0: Yeah, uh, they can definitely check out my YouTube, which is uh, one of my most active platforms, Land on YouTube. Uh, on other on, the, on the other platforms, I'm also Land. My podcast is also on YouTube and uh, it's Body, Mind, Empowerment on iTunes. But uh, for my books, uh, I do have some books about keto, like keto fasting and keto bodybuilding. Uh, but I also uh, am... I'm publishing my upcoming book called metabolic autophagy, which will go into more deep into more detail about how do you stimulate autophagy with fasting and how do you balance it out appropriately with the other uh, aspects of doing properly refeeds and uh, doing resistance training and exercise. And how do you promote your longevity with that?
1: Fantastic. And I'll link to all of these in the show notes for listeners, but uh, I just want to say thank you again for your time and, um, yeah, your in-depth uh, actionable tips there. I really did enjoy that
0: today. All right, thanks, thanks for having me, and it was yeah, fun, fun talking with you.